0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Please walk Sparky for me. No way. (laughs) I'll throw in a caramel frappe. Ooh, make it a large deal. Get a sweet deal. $2 any size McCafe beverage on the McDonald's app. Between you and me, Sparky. I would have walked you for free. <laughs> Ba-da, Offer valid through 4 twenty two or participate in McDonald's. Valid one time per day. McDonald's app download and registration required. Hey, everybody. I was thinking about one of the, uh, the best informal lessons that I've learned recently. And what that lesson was was about a couple different things. It was about faith and it was about... Um, about sickness and being well and about kind of kind of things along that, that spectrum. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, what it was that I learned it from, um, uh, I want to say Pastor Tony. I don't know if he's a bishop or not. If he is a bishop, I'm not trying to disrespect him. But uh, Pastor Tony Evans. And the lesson was not anything that he's taught in any one of the books that he's written, although I have read some of the books that he's written stuff in there very 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 informed and very intelligent theologian um but what I learned was during the uh the the cancer fight that his wife had um before she unfortunately passed and of course as a person of faith you pray for healing and you play pray for deliverance and all of that and of course as a person who's been a minister for many many years i I just assumed that he would be praying for that as well, and he was along with her family and of course their friends and the the parishioners and people worldwide uh the The thing that kinda got me was that when she began to get really sick and she was in the hospital and she was in discomfort from from this is all from what was said and um he his his prayer was still that that God would intervene except for his prayer at this point was that he began to pray that God would either heal her or let her transition on and i thought that that was very 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 different from what i would have had, would have expected you know because i wouldn't have expected a minister to pray a prayer like that but then it took it takes a great level of maturity to even come to the point where you realize that you, you love this person so much that you want that person to be well. And if the wellness has to happen on this side or on that side of life, you, you just want them to be well. And it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to even put, to even let go rather. And I I know that that's, it, it was just, for me, it was, it was jarring because I know that he loved his wife and I know that that's not what anybody hopes for, but I believe that in all sincerity, he prayed for that, and I don't know what the exact time frame was, but I know shortly after, you know, it came out that that was what they had prayed for, that his wife did pass, and I don't think that it was a very, very, I won't say it wasn't, it wasn't sad, because of course they grieved her, and of course they missed her, But what what spoke to me in that was just the level of the level of maturity that you have to have in regard to this life. Because we do understand that this, you know, this life is not forever. And it's it's a tough thing to even think about, you know, especially for someone that you cared about and someone that you love so deeply. So for him to have come to that decision. It was, it was, I don't even want to say profound to me. It was, it was one of those things that are like kind of difficult. Like if someone put, you know, uh, a giant rock of your living, in the middle of your living room, how would you adjust to that? You know, how would you, how, how would you like you, you understand it's a rock. So I I guess that's, even that's not a a good analogy. If, If someone put a, a giant metal object in the middle of your living room you know how would you how would you what what would you do how would you relate to that thing and i think it's it's just interesting because that's how it was for for me in hearing that story it was that 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 kind of thought process was foreign to me and i'm always i'm always interested in people who are uh famous or not even famous i'd say renowned for for intellectual things or spiritual things or great people in general, people who have done great things. I'm always intrigued by and impressed by and interested in not so much how they got to the point of, you know, being successful or wealthy. I'm interested in their thought process because I believe that even if you gave, uh, you know, the wealthy or successful person, you know, different, a different tool, they still would have come out successful. So I'm always interested in their thought process, how they think, what, how do they formulate their thoughts? Like if I gave you a certain situation, how would you approach that situation? Because I know that it would be vastly different than most people would approach it. And that, that process of thought is what I'm always interested in because it's, it's ever so intriguing to me. It's, I, I I just wonder how people come up with the, the trains of thought that they have. Where, where do they come from? Where does that stem from? What are you building upon? What did you learn or what experiences have brought you to the position that your mind automatically gears you toward building in this fashion? So in regard to Tony Evans, when when uh, he he made the statement and the prayer regarding his wife, I didn't understand it because I know that. Or maybe it's for me, I do understand it. Maybe I know that I would be more emotionally drawn and maybe he was early on and maybe she was early on, but maybe They had a connection where they could talk about it and they understood what would be best for for everybody involved to not have her in pain or to not have her in so much great distress or discomfort. I think about that. I think about that because that's a huge decision. That's that's life changing for for everyone involved, because to make that to make to make that decision means that you have to. You have to have prepared yourself for either outcome. And either outcome is definitely going to change, change your life It's going to change your not just your your life in terms of how you feel, but your life in terms of your physical life, what you will do, how your tomorrow will look. It will vastly change what will happen tomorrow. The physical things that you interacted with from a day before will no longer be the same from this point forward until the day that you transition, and it's a, it's a powerful thing, it's a powerful, powerful thing to, to, to think on that level, but I'm, I'm impressed, is impressed, I don't know if I'm, I'm intrigued again, because I don't know that I would have come up with that, that train of thought given those same circumstances, I don't know, I don't know, who's to say, I don't know, I know that being you know raised as a Christian we're taught to pray and to believe and to have faith and all of those things and I believe that um uh, Dr. Tony Evans does have all those things does and did as well as his wife had all those things so it's it's tough to what do you do when you have to face the probability of either outcome And it's not a new it's not a new concept, because if you read the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, even before they were placed into the fiery furnace, uh, they said that even if God doesn't save us, we know that he's able to save us. So that's a that's another level. That's a greater level of faith. And even if you consider the story of Abraham and Isaac and you consider that many theologians say and and the, the scriptures attest to it, that even before going on, before going up to the uh, the altar or the place where he Abraham made the altar, that he knew that he was coming back with Isaac. He knew that he wasn't going to kill his son. He wasn't going to sacrifice his son. And I think that that's interesting because Abraham told his his servants to wait right there and we'll be back. Me and the boy will be back down. So it to me, it it makes me wonder where where do you get that train of thought? Where where do you where does that line of thinking come from? How do we attain it? How do we get to it? How do we strive for it? Should we strive for it? Where do we find it? And it's tough. How do how do you wrap your mind around such a such a such an abstract thought as this level of faith? Not just genuine faith, just to say, I believe, but to say, I believe in the midst of. Trouble in the middle of the storm, in the middle of a trying time, very much in the presence of a physically trying time to have faith that still says, not only do I believe, but I'm acting upon that belief, even though there stands a chance for one outcome or the other outcome. That's active faith. That's in in the presence faith. That's very real and very alive and very transformative faith, because whatever happens after this point will transform you yet you still have faith. The closest thing I can even relate to that would be uh, when I was still living at home, I think I had to be maybe 19, 20 years old. I was coming home late from, um, from a girl's house and I saw some guys about a block away from where I had to turn to walk down my block because I, I caught the bus home. So about a block away, I could see the guys, about four, four, eh, four or five guys maybe, young guys just like me, like I said, I was 19 or 20 and I had my my Nautica jacket on that I bought from working at uh, I was working at McDonald's at the time. I had my I think I had some Air Maxes at the time and I had a watch that I had just bought and I had my class ring and I bought a, a Seattle Mariners hat because that's when everybody was rocking the Mariners hat for uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and stuff. So I had all I had all my all the stuff that I liked, all my gear and all that that I paid like probably <laughs> close to two months worth of McDonald's checks or more to get that stuff. And when I saw those guys from afar off, I said, Yeah, I could go around the block and just avoid them completely. But I thought, Nah, man, black guys, man, we always get a bad rap. We get a bad reputation for being thugs and being troublemakers and da 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 and this and that and third. So I said, I'm going to go ahead and walk down through there. Now, at that point, I was aware of the danger. I was very much aware of it. I can't say that I was scared, but I was very much aware. So. I said, I'll keep walking. So I kept walking. And of course, as I was walking, I begin. I saw the guys kind of look in my direction and confer with each other, kind of pause and confer with each other. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, doesn't necessarily mean anything. No need to be, you know, whatever. So as I got close to the block where I was going to turn onto, got, as I got close to the block where I needed to turn to go to my house, there was an alley right before. So I, I get to the alley and there's a guy standing before the alley and the other four, four or five or three or four guys are standing on the other side of the alley. So as I passed the, the first guy, he puts a gun to my side and like uh, he says something, something along the lines of, you know, what, you know what it is or you know what time it is or something like that. So he I let him lead me to the alley or whatever. I wasn't tripping on it or nothing. But the the strange thing is right before I began to walk past the first guy in front of the alley, I remember thinking, I didn't say it out loud, but I thought in my head, "Okay, God, here we go. And that was it. Like it was just just that I didn't really at that moment in that moment. I wasn't thinking about impending danger. I wasn't thinking about getting hurt. I wasn't thinking about the possibility of not coming home, getting beat up. I wasn't thinking about any of those things. All I thought about was, "Okay, God, here we go. And it was just whatever will happen. God, it's it's. It's I'm with you. So whether whether it's good or bad, I'm with you and that's that's just that. And I went into the alley and the guy had a gun to my side or whatever and uh we got to the alley and he he said something but I didn't hear him so I didn't respond and then I guess he got mad so he kind of, he cocked the gun and he put it like in my face or like to the side of my head or whatever. He's like, "I said give me give me your stuff or whatever." So, it wasn't wasn't a problem and I remember thinking, Like, as I was taking off my, like I said, my class ring, my watch, my shoes and all that stuff. I was taking it off and the dude took my jacket and was trying it on and all that. It was real crazy. But um, I remember thinking, so this is a robbery. Okay, that's what a robbery is about. This is what's happening in the robbery. Like, it was real real crazy. I was just like, oh, I've never been in a robbery. So this is what it looks like. Bam. Okay, they take your stuff. So I wasn't tripping on it. So after they had all my stuff and it it was kind of, it was wet out there, but I don't think it was like super rainy. So I'm standing in the alley with just, you know, my clothes on and my socks in, in the rain. They had all my stuff or whatever. And like I said, dude trying all my stuff. They got my ring and watch and stuff. And the other guy, one of the guys who didn't have the gun, and he was actually one of the smaller guys in the group. He's like, man, hold on, man. All that's material stuff, man. That's, that's stupid. Get get dude back his stuff, man. All that's material, man. Give it all back. Give it back. And I was I was tripping because he wasn't the one with the gun. So I'm like. I appreciate the sentiment, homie, but like your your boy got the gun. That's the, that's kind of the guy who's in charge. I don't know if, you know, I don't know how robberies work, but I kind of tend to think that if there's a hierarchy of the robbery the dude with the gun is probably in charge, but uh, (laughs) thank God that wasn't the case. So the guy said that. And as soon as he said it, they, they started handing me back my stuff. The guy took the jacket off, handed me back my jacket, gave me back my shoes gave me back my watch and, uh, I didn't see the ring, but I wasn't tripping on it. You know, I had my shoes in my hand and, uh, the dude with the gun dude, like after they gave the stuff, they started, they handed me my stuff and they started to walk away. And the last person to walk away was the guy with the gun. And he was like, don't tell nobody. And I'm like, I won't. Cause I was thinking in my head, like, what would I tell him? Like you didn't nothing. Like, what would I say? So I remember, um, and this was like, the crazy part was where they where they were robbing me where I was in the alley was literally right. I'd say maybe 40 feet from the back of my house. So my bedroom was in the back of my house. So I was 40 feet, 50 feet, maybe from my literal bedroom window. So I'm like, man, this is crazy. So they, they left and walked off one way. I walked off the other way, walked home and walked in the house and uh, my mother saw me with my shoes and she was like, what happened? I'm like, yeah, they." I, <laughs> like, I forget how I framed it. I, I, I don't think I said I got robbed because technically I didn't get robbed, but I did get robbed. But it didn't, you know, like a robbery did take place, but I didn't lose my thing. So it was a weird technicality. So um, my mother, you know, she was all worried for me. And I remember like when I can't <laughs> like I had to pee before I got home, like when I got off the bus. So I went in there, and I used the bathroom, and I wasn't tripping on it because, like I said, I was 19, so I was maybe maybe a year out of, or two years out of, so I must have been 18, out of a year out of high school. So I didn't see the class ring. I had everything back there. I took my shoes and, you know, put them, I put my coat on on my desk or whatever, and I shot my shoes on the ground, like just, just dropped them on the ground in my bedroom. And like I said, the ring wasn't there, and like I said, I shot my shoes down. But I wasn't tripping on it because I'm like it was. I still had insurance for the class ring, so I could just go, you know, file a claim or whatever. So I wasn't tripping on it. So um what I ended up doing was, I uh, I got home. Well, I called my my girlfriend that night and let her know what happened and everything, and she was worried and you know whatever. But I told her like because uh, she was supposed to come by the next day, so I'm like, well, we'll file a claim or whatever, so it's not a big deal. So. I pretty much just went well, my mom came in there. She was worried and she prayed for me and stuff and prayed. And, but like I said, I wasn't during that whole ordeal. I wasn't, I wasn't scared. I can't say that I was scared at all. The only thing was I was just aware before when I was walking down the street after I got off the bus and saw him. So the next, I went to sleep, no problem. And the next morning, um, I said, well, let me go ahead and file this claim while I'm thinking about it. And when I, when I got out of bed, I looked to my shoes And at the back of my shoe, I think it was my right shoe where my heel was, was my class ring sitting right there, right where my heel would be in my right shoe. And like I told you, I got the shoe from the guy in the alley and the ring wasn't there. And like I told you, I walked with the shoes in my hand. The ring wasn't there. And when I shot my shoes on the ground, like I told you, the ring wasn't there because all that time it would have rattled. It's impossible for me to have shot my shoe on the ground and the ring not be there and then when I wake up it's at the heel of my shoe where I can see it standing up not at the toe because if if it was at the toe then I would be like well maybe I just missed it and it went there when I sat him down but no it was at the heel of my shoe and I remember that and I'm like whoa so I got robbed and got literally everything back absolutely everything back and the person that gave it back told it gave the order to give it back wasn't a guy that had the gun so very, very interesting story. And I told, you know, I told my girlfriend, and I told my mom at the time, and it was, it was just, it was just amazing to me. But like, again, that's the closest thing that I could even have to, to that, uh, that amount of faith in the middle of the circumstance, in action. And I'm, I'm extremely thankful to God because that's who I, I attribute it to. You may hear the story and attribute it to something else. I don't know. But for me, having, having it been my story, I attribute all of that to God. Because again, at that moment, all I was thinking was, God, here we go. It's it's me and you, whatever you got for me, God, I'm, I'm here, whatever you want. If I, if, if I go and they beat me up, I, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking about just at that moment, here we go, God, it's just me and you period. So the world didn't really, whatever happened after that moment didn't really matter. I just knew that it was me and God on this thing. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of how I approached it. So maybe in in that there's a glimpse of what pastor tony evans had and what many what abraham had and uh what shadrach meshach and abednego had maybe it's all in that as well but i i can attribute it to to different levels of faith and i i pray that not that i i want that circumstance to happen but i pray that if if life and when life does put put you in positions where you have to exercise active and living and in, in the moment faith that I pray that for myself that I'm able to to do that fearlessly and trust in God 100% and I pray that for you, the very same thing if you if it's not God for you I pray that you trust in whatever brings you you peace and whatever brings you power. For me I, I tend to call that God. So for me that's what I, I pray that I that I find myself in that position that I pray that again, I, I take the stand and said God is just me and you and that's just what it is so those are those are my thoughts today and i'm I'm still profoundly impacted by by things like that so i again I thank God for I do thank God for each and every one of you who who give me a chance to listen who give me a chance to talk rather while you listen and who tune into the uh the podcast so that's all I got for today guys you take it easy.